Welcome to We the Women. This is our celebration of the 19th Amendment. Exactly 100 years ago, on August 18, 1920, the 19th Amendment was ratified, giving women the right to vote. To celebrate, we'll be talking to women from around South Carolina, thought leaders, movers and shakers. We'll ask them about how they have used their voice and what they have done to contribute to our great democracy. Enjoy the conversation. In this episode, Post and Courier business reporter Emily Williams interviews Chef Ayana John Carter, executive chef of the Macintosh. Thank you so much for um, being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Definitely. So like I told you, we we really wanted to uh, interview a woman who's a chef here in Charleston and thought you came into your job at an interesting <laughs> time, right? Um, you're uh, the executive chef at Macintosh, um, but you just started that job earlier this year, right? right? Um, yeah. And then coronavirus. So what have the last several months been like for you? Uh, tumultuous. <laughs> it's definitely been intense. Um, we're doing our best to like make our way through it, you know what I mean? But it's, you know, it's definitely not easy. Um, our company like philosophy and ethos is like that we put our people first and right now more than ever it's about like just being super transparent just like hey like this is where we're at right now you know what I mean and it's like we got to move in this direction and we got to do this to try and make it work and just you know kind of relying on like the love and the family so that we can get through it together. What has it been like for your own cooking? I feel like this has been a time where maybe even some of us who don't cook that much are starting to cook because, um, you know, we're staying at, at home more. Um, how has your cooking changed during this time? I know like everyone's doing like a um, like a quarantine garden, mm-hmm. right? So like my version of that for quarantine has been kombucha because <laughs> it's like a long process yeah. and it's been something that I've always been pretty interested in. Um, but at the start of like when we first quarantined or went into quarantine, I like started my first batch and now I'm on batch like 28 and I love it. Um, preservation is like something that's really, that I'm really into. So preserving things when it's at its peak and like canning. And so I'm just kind of leaning into that a little bit more. Uh, uh, my Amazon cart is just filled with different sizes of mason jars <laughs> and my cabinet is getting full and full and full and I'm going to have to start mailing some stuff to grandma pretty soon here. <laughs> that's, that's actually been one of the things I've always been curious about doing, but I've never like taken the leap of actually trying to make kombucha. I mean, honestly, I felt a little sketch about like the first two batches. I definitely didn't drink them. Um, but by the third batch, uh, I made my partner and myself drink it together. So like if we got sick, you know, we did it together. And then after that, we were all good to go. Um, so watched a couple of videos. It's actually pretty easy. It wasn't anything too complicated. So I was like, cool, happy. You know, $7 in the store, 10 cents at home. I don't know. <laughs> so I want to hear about how you started in in food and in cooking did you always know that you wanted to be a chef yeah I've literally never wanted to do anything else I knew from the time that I was eight years old that I was going to be a chef I've never imagined my life looking any differently and everything that I've done in this world has always been in pursuit of um, being a chef so for me the Macintosh is literally a dream come true, right? Like it's my first exec position and I've like finally made it. You know what I mean? Like uh, I'm I'm here, I'm at where I've always dreamt about being and where I've always dreamt about like working towards. Like like it's here, it's like time to start new goals. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a really surreal feeling for sure. So you say since you were eight years old, was there something specific when you were, when you were eight, was there anything that that happened or, or made you really start thinking about cooking? It, it depends on who you ask, right? I chalk it up to just being a fat kid. I remember mm-hmm. like telling my parents like, oh, I'm gonna be a chef. And they're like, no, 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 no. You just like to eat. Like there's a difference, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and my uncle, he's worked at the same restaurant since before I was born. Um, a few of my mom's friends are chefs. My dad is an amazing cook. So depending on who you ask in the family, they'll say that they were like the person who inspired me, (laughs) you know what I mean? But, um, I really feel like, uh, I was born with a passion for food. I don't feel like I found it. Like it found me. Like I've genuinely feel like I was 
born and put on this earth to spread love and fellowship like through my food. I feel like I didn't have a choice in the matter. Like that's just, you know, like that's just me. There was never a thought or like something that happened. Like, no, that's the person that I was meant to be. That's genuinely how I feel about it. What kind of food did you grow up eating? Um, Caribbean food, right? So I'm first generation American. Uh, my dad is from Guyana in South America. Um, my mom doesn't eat a whole lot of meat. She only eats fish and chicken. It's a lot easier for me to say it like that than to list all the things that she doesn't eat. Um, so I grew up eating like a lot of vegetables, but like also on my dad's side, like I had a pot of rice and peas and a pot of potatoes every day. And like with every meal, no matter what, it was always rice and peas and potatoes. And like, you know, in the morning we'd have like, uh, tea and it was always Lipton and there's like sweetened condensed milk in it, not just regular milk, but sweetened condensed and, you know, plantanos and just different things, I guess, that he grew up eating and that like, you know, I now have. Um, but my background, I say, would definitely pull from like the Caribbean side. And then on my mom's side, my grandmother is from Spartanburg, South Carolina, so country. And my grandfather is from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So just like this Southern side and then this Caribbean side kind of like fusing together to be a thing. You know. Did you have a favorite food growing up? French fries. It's still my favorite food to this day. <laughs> French fries. I literally eat French fries every single day. I ate French fries every day for three months just to see if I would get tired of them. And I haven't. So, <laughs> yeah. Do you remember maybe the first dish that you would say you created you know not just something that you um maybe learned how to make but the mm -hmm. first thing that's like this is something that that I made up myself um honestly it was a group of like little salsas that I made to like go to um, a family picnic right and I was like well I want it to be a little different you know so it was like peach and pineapple and onions and I'm sure it like fell flat where flavor was concerned but I was really proud of it and it looked super colorful and um, everyone in the family liked it so I was like okay cool so then like at the party like I went through the fridge and I made like two more and like one was super spicy and I was like well this one's a little less and I, don't, I was just like making stuff but um, it being so well received like just felt really good mm -hmm. and I think that is like the first memory that I have of like creating something on my own that wasn't just like Haji Paji, me putting like beefaroni and some other random thing together in the kitchen, but something with like a purpose. So I think like a lot of people here in Charleston, you you moved here, you didn't uh, grow up here. Mm -hmm. What eventually brought you to Charleston? I guess what what brought you to the South, right? Because you came um, to Charleston from Atlanta, but right. before that, so kind of what was your? So I grew there? up in Jersey. Um, my mom decided that she wanted to move down south when I was 14. Um, so I, I like didn't really have a choice about where I was going at that point. Like I had to go where my parents went. Um, so my mom and I moved down to not Atlanta, but Hiram, Georgia first. And that's where like I went to high school and everything. Um, I then went to the Art Institute for Culinary Arts. Um, and after that, then moved into Atlanta. And if you ask me where I'm from, I'm always going to say ATL. Like, deuces up, A-Town down, like, all day, every day. Like, that's my city. That's where I went to high school, college. That's where I got my license. Like, someone asked me, oh, where should I go to eat? I wouldn't be able to tell you where to go in Charleston. Like, I couldn't be like, oh, this spot, this hole in the wall, this here. They got the best this. But in Atlanta, I got you. Yeah. Um, I lived in Jersey till I was 14. I still can't do that in Jersey. You know what I mean? I'm like, ah, stuff your face, the grease trucks, you know, like maybe Cook's Deli. Like I just have the few memories that I have from when I was growing up. But Atlanta is definitely the city that I claim. And getting to Charleston um, was all the Indigo Road. Um, they offered me a job. I was literally sitting in my room like, man, what's my next move? Like, what am I like? I'm, I swear, like I'm pacing, I'm back and forth. Like, what's my next move? And my phone rings. And they're like, hey, we got this position. It's in Charleston. How do you feel about it? Let's fly you down here and let's see how you feel about it. So I came to Charleston for the Macintosh. Yeah. Had you been to Charleston before? Once um, with the company. And they were kind of like, I feel like prepping me to like offer me the Macintosh job. So like two, maybe two weeks before I came down to like look at the Mac itself um, was my first time down here in Charleston. 
what did you what did you think was this obviously charleston has a food reputation um was it a place that you thought about working before no um i did a food tour when i graduated culinary school and i went to like eight different states stashed at like 30 different restaurants south carolina was (laughs) nowhere on the radar um charleston wasn't a place that i i ever thought of moving to um i just feel like the like i don't know it was a an opportunity in front of me and that I wanted to take advantage of it. So the place wasn't um, so much of a factor as like the mission or the goal or like, you know, what I was working towards. Right. Yeah. I think that's interesting because there are a lot of people, at least in, in this area, who that would be, um, you know, a goal of of being in Charleston specifically and, and cooking. But what has been your experience I know you're still pretty new um, here, but since living here, uh, what do you think of Charleston? What do you think of um, being part of the culinary world here? Um, honestly, uh, I think Charleston is a little behind the times, a hundred and ten for for sure. I've uh, had more experiences with racism in Charleston than I have in my whole life. And I've only been here for seven months. Um, People glare at me, you know, like when I walk down the street and it's not just like a, oh, you know, that's a weird outfit. But like, okay, you know what I mean? But like, like it's a glare, you know, like I've been disrespected in my own house and at my own restaurant, you know, like by people making racist remarks and things like that. And it's it's crazy. Um, I mean, the food is great. I love that the seasons last a lot longer. The vegetables are so fresh. I'm sorry, Atlanta, but South Carolina has better peaches. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that stuff's awesome. Um, I love I love that I'm running a farm-to-table restaurant in Charleston because just the produce and the seafood and the ingredients that are available to work with are literally so phenomenal. But Charleston as a town, it's got some work to do, yeah. uh, for sure. For sure. Uh, I hate when people say like, you know, when I first moved down here, they were just like, oh, well, Charleston's old fashioned. And I'm like, oh, yeah. It's like, you mean Charleston's racist? Because who's old fashioned are we talking about? Because that's not my grandmother's old fashioned or that's not my granddad's old fashioned. So who's old fashioned? You know, so I don't know. I'd definitely say Charleston's got some learning and some growing to do. But produce is awesome. You know, chefs around town. Dope. Um, I love the food scene here. For sure. Like yeah. it like it's exciting. Like I get so excited about the vegetables that come in. Like you should see my purveyors. They're just like, you're so and I'm like, I know, but look at that peach, man. Like it's so good. Um yeah, love love the agriculture side of Charleston, 110% hands down. Um the social side and the, the people culture could definitely use some work, especially coming from Atlanta to here, some somewhere that I feel like is so um Diverse. So I wanted to ask, ask you about that because you were saying it seems like you felt so at home in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, what are what are some of the the differences? Maybe even some of the specific differences in kind of the day to day or even at at, at work um, that are that are different that make you say you know Charleston is behind. Um, I am one of two POCs in my restaurant. Um, and I didn't say like black people, I said POCs, right? So I opened up the spectrum. Uh, that's the thing. Um, I don't see a whole lot of women in leadership. Mm-hmm. Not that I feel like that's a huge thing in our culture, but not something that I just hadn't seen at all. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just the people, you know what I mean? Like it, it really feels isolating. Like I really feel outnumbered uh, more often than not. Um, I'm queer as well. My partner is transgender um, and Korean and white. So like when we walk down the street together, like like people glare, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, it's not like in Atlanta where people are like, okay, zaddies, you know what I mean? But it's like, what, what's going on here? Like, and I'm just like, damn, like, what are you mad about? Like, you know, like there's a laundry list of things that you could be looking at me you'd be angry about right now. And I just, I can't even pinpoint which one it is. Um, but in Atlanta, they'd be like, okay, y'all go ahead type deal. So I don't know. Like it's, it's a different feel for sure. 
Yeah. And so you mentioned not seeing many women in leadership. You're an executive chef right now. Have you worked in a kitchen where um, the the head chef in that in that kitchen was a woman? I have not, um, unless it was a pastry chef. Okay. How do you feel about that? Especially being in your role now, being that person. Um, honestly, I'd never, I can't say I never, but I didn't really put much stock into it. Um, and I was talking to some of my friends about like, you know, doing this interview here and they were just like, well, yeah, we'll think about, you know, little chef. It's one of, um, young culinarians that we had working with us at the Macintosh. And they were like, well, you were the first female chef that she got to like work under. Like, you know, like, did you get that? And I was like, no. I guess I did it. And they're like, that's cool. And I'm like, yeah, I guess that is cool. Like, awesome. Um, but my two biggest mentors are men. Um, I have mentors who are females, but they're all uh, mostly pastry. And as I've gone along in my career, there have been other women that I've like looked to to be like, oh, my goodness, that's credible. Oh, my goodness. I love what you're doing. Like Mashama Bailey and Savannah, yeah. like. Um, her number's in my phone and like, it makes me get, like, I geek out. I geek out. Like, I haven't messaged her back or anything, but like, <laughs> it, it get, like, I'm getting goosebumps just yeah. talking about it because that's how cool I think it is. Um, but no, I haven't necessarily had the opportunity to like, work under them. Um, I have, I've done a lot of pastry stuff as well as savory things. So I have had, you know, um, females who were pastry chefs above me and just be like, no, this is how we do this. This is how this is run. You know, like Yesenia Justiniano, um, who was the executive pastry chef of Kimball House, and she's now doing her own thing. She's such a badass. Can I say that? Yeah. She's such a badass. <laughs> she's awesome. Um, she, like, works faster, harder than anyone else. She doesn't cry about it. And, like, she doesn't I love that she doesn't like get mad, you know, like my chefs will yell and like throw pans. I'm very old world and how I came up in this industry. Like I had the chef who was like, if you can't get your shit together, you, sh you should be a dishwasher. Like, you know what I mean? Like my chef screamed that stuff at me and like she never screams, you know, like if you mess up, she'll tell you why you messed up. She'll be upset about it for like four minutes and then she's over it and we're on to the next thing. And it's like, OK, you messed that up. This is how you fix it. Next time, let me know so that we can fix it a little sooner. And like, then we just go about it. And it's so tight and so cool. The Intertech Group and the Zucker family are proud to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. What's the way that you run a kitchen? Um, high energy and good vibes. Uh, I, the biggest thing that matters to me is that everyone who comes in has a good attitude. And I, I tell my staff, like, if you guys are going through something outside of these four walls, if you're not feeling it today, if you walk through those doors and you're like, you know what, chef, I only got 80% today, take the day. You need the day, take it. You're not in the right mental space to like be here and to be a functioning part of like what we got going on, take the day, <laughs> take the day. I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow, it's okay, we'll be all right. I can shake pants, don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Like I'd rather I'd rather have you come in here and be in like a good mood and high spirits because you're gonna taste that. Right. Like you can like you can taste good energy, like you can taste when there's love in the food, like you can also taste when there's frustration in it. Yeah. Right. So if you're going to be frustrated, I get that. We're all human. We all have those days. Take the day, man. You know what I mean? If I can't give you the day, it's like, you know what? Why don't you cut out of here early? I got it. I'll shut down your station. Go ahead. Cut out of here a little early. Same thing works for like the front of the house or managers or whatever. Like, you know, I had someone come in yesterday and they weren't. Like, it was very apparent that they weren't themselves. And I was like, you take the day? He's like, you know, if, if, if I could, I'd really appreciate that. Go ahead. You know, that, that's what matters to me more than anything. Um, happy people for happy food. Uh, and then always work to be better than you were yesterday, right? I'm not in competition with anybody else but myself. I'm not measuring myself by anyone else's yardstick. I just want to be a better chef than I was yesterday. I want to be a better person than I was yesterday. And I want everyone to like take that with them too. Like there are things that I do well. There are things that I don't do well. I'm honest about all those things. And I ask you to be the same, right? So in me being transparent with where I am, what I know, what I don't know, I hope that um, 
all of my staff and employees will do the same. Right. So it's like, you know what? Like, I don't know that. Let's talk about it. Well, cool. Let's learn it together. You don't know, man. I don't know either. Let's look it up. Let's University of Google right now. Let's find out and let's be better than we were 10 minutes ago. Right. Because now we both know this thing. And like taking the pride or the ego out of it and being like, oh, well, I'm supposed to know all the things like that's what I was like. No, being the chef doesn't mean that you know how to do everything. That's fine. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, be honest about where you are in it. You know, like, you don't know how to do this. Cool. I'm gonna show you. You know, it's like, you know what? I don't know how to I don't know how to show you that. But, you know, chef over here, he does this really well. Why don't you why don't you let him show you how to break down this? You know, like, let's watch together. Like, he does a great job with it. Like, the other day we were breaking down flounder. I had three different chefs in the kitchen show me how they broke down flounder. Like, well, how do you do it? Cool, well, how do you do it? When you get to this part, what do you do? Right? And I'm going to take a little bit from everyone, and then I'm going to figure out how it is that I want to break it down. And like, oh, it's flounder. It's an easy fish. Whatever. Like, that's fine, but I'm going to be better than I was yesterday because I asked X, Y, and Z. And I asked everyone to have that same willingness to learn, that same, like, hey, check your ego that same, like, hey, I'm going to come in here with a good attitude and I'm going to get it, you know? Like, so long as the staff's happy, everything else, I feel like, falls into place. You have a happy staff and you're going to have happy guests, right? Happy staff makes happy food, gives happy service, and then, like, you got a happy business, you know? It's just, like, positivity. It's it's crazy. Um, so that's a, a big ethos of mine. That's a big way that I, like, I guess, lead. What did you want to do with, the restaurant with the menu, how did you want to, to change that when you came in? I wanted to make it a lot lighter. Um, I grew up not eating a whole lot of meat, so a ton of vegetables. Um, so I don't want anyone to feel excluded, right? If you're vegan, I want you to come in and get a plant-based meal and be fine. I was on a raw diet for like two years. Like, I got you. Vegan food, like I'll make something and it'll end up just being vegan by happenstance. I like to use plant-based instead of vegan in like terminology because I feel like it uh, it reads a little better. You know, like as soon as you say vegan, everyone's like every meat lover in the world's like, nah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's like, no, it's it's just plant-based. Like you'll still enjoy it <laughs> even if there's no meat in it. Um, so I wanted something that was all inclusive. And one thing that I loved about the Macintosh is that they met everybody's dietary restrictions. Um, which was really awesome to me, but it was very meat and potatoes heavy. Um, so my mom, if if you make a sandwich for her and you touched bacon and then you made her fish sandwich, she would get sick, right? So I wanted to keep that same that same energy and that same understanding. Like, why don't we just make something that you can come in and feel comfortable to order and you don't feel like, oh, well, I got to modify it and I'm going to have to ask for this and I'm going to have to say no dairy and I'm going to have to do that. And now as the guest, you're feeling uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like my mom won't go out to eat certain places because she knows that if the person at Subway wore gloves and touched bacon and then goes to make her, you know, tuna fish sandwich, that she's going to get sick. And instead of saying, hey, can you change your gloves? She just won't go out. She just won't go there. She just won't go to get lunch. And I hate that. Right. So I wanted to create an environment where that wasn't a thing, whether you're I'm lactose intolerant. Right. So whether you're lactose intolerant or you're vegetarian or you have celiac or you're pescatarian, you can come in and you can get a meal. And I don't mean just like one little thing that was like thrown to the side and halfway thought about like, no, you can get a meal. You can get you some starters an entree and dessert. You can have everything. You are not missing out on anything. You are not going to be excluded. Um, And that was like one thing that I really wanted to bring something lighter, something that didn't exclude anyone, something that was very uh, of the times. And I feel like plant-based and inclusive things and gluten-free is very of the times. Well, and it seems like the way that you wanted to change the menu and the way that you run your kitchen have the same kind of ethos, right? Of of wanting to to bring everyone in and kind of meet everyone where they're at, right? Does that Does that sound right? It seems like you're those are both still in the same kind of mindset, the same the same goal with both of those. Uh, before I came onto the Macintosh, I ran pop-ups um, for like four years, traveled around, did some New York Times dinners, worked with Penn State. Um, but I did it all under food and fellowship, right? Like, and that's like, I guess, still my ethos, right? Food is fellowship. Food is connectivity. It, it's the universal connector. Everybody's got to eat, right? I will always have a job. You always like everyone always needs to eat, you know what I mean? And like when you think back 
as when we individually as people like think back to some of our fondest memories or, you know, times that we really enjoyed, I promise you there's a dinner table in there somewhere. There's a grandmother in a kitchen. There's, you know, there's something that was sitting on the table that y'all were snacking on while y'all fellowshipped about it. And I just want to bring that same vibe and environment, like as far as leadership and as far as like the guests who come in, like food and fellowship. We're all one big family. We're all one big team. Sit down, have a meal. It's not stuffy. You know, our food is rustic elegant. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just sit down and get comfortable. I love when people share things. And in the time of Corona, that's a lot harder. Right. Because I I love family style. You know what I mean? I love putting out one big dish and you get some and then he gets some and then you mad that he got too much. So you come in there, you scoop around the court like I love that. <laughs> I feel like that's what it's all about. Like, that's fun. You know, like I like to force people to eat with their hands. I do like I'll, I'll intentionally do things where it's like you got to pick it up. Like you have to like there's no way to be cute about it. Get there and eat it like you're at home, right? Like full hand over the trash can, you know what I mean? Just comfortable. So yeah, food food and fellowship connectivity, that's definitely like my whole vibe. Um, and I just try to pump as much of that into the restaurant as possible. Those pop-up dinners, where did those take you? Can you just tell me more about, about that, what you were doing with those dinners? Yeah. Um, God, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. I literally travel to wherever I wanted and set up shop. I went to DC and did a pop-up for about a month at Red Brew Brewery in Noma. Um, And my friend, my best friend lives in DC, like my best friend since like fourth grade. Um, So I went out there, I got to spend some time with her. It was like around either her birthday or my birthday. So we did like, oh, it was her birthday. So we did like a whole little birthday thing. And then I did like two weeks of this pop-up um and then hung out for a week after and went back home to Atlanta when I was ready uh Penn State University funds this program um with through NAS uh, National Art Society and they do this social impact house in Vermont at Galusha Hill Farms 600 acres it's so beautiful um my mentor and I chef Philip he's the one who Philip Meeker he's the one who like connected me with it and we go out there together. It's two weeks on the farm. Like we live on the farm in farmhouses. You get to look at the animals and walk past them every day. And like our job is to cook, right? So we make breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, and it's just fun and it's creative. And we go out to the garden and it's like, well, what do they got? It's like, okay, cool. We're going to do this, this, and this, like from the garden, you know? And it's like, oh man, well, we're out of mint, this, this, that, and the third. And, you know, we'll call Farmer John. I love that it's Farmer John, but we call Farmer John and he like goes out or have someone goes out and like just brings us back everything. It's like, okay, cool. We're going to do a little country boil. Oh, we need sausage. He has pigs. He makes sausage. He just brings us some of the sausage. You know, it's like, okay, we're going to do a pork butt and it's his pig's pork butt. You know, like we need eggs. It's his chicken's eggs. Like it's it's so surreal. Um, That's definitely one of my favorite things that I've done. Um, And then also just being free and being able to move how I wanted. Uh, I had an opportunity with the New York Times. They came, Jenna Wortham came to Decatur for the Decatur Book Festival. uh, And she wanted like all POC chefs, um, all women to like put on a dinner for like her and 15 of her closest writer friends um, at Kimball House. It's a restaurant that I opened And I was like, yeah, sure, I'm down. You know what I mean? And I got to this really cool dinner that I honestly would have done for free because it was just that cool. And then, like, to get paid for it, it was just like, wow, I guess, you know, like, that's what they mean when they say, like, if you love what you do, it's it's not a job. And it wasn't a job. Like, it was just a great time and a lot of fun. And I got to collab with all these beautiful minds and, like, all these strong women, like, doing their own thing respectively and their own aspects of, like, this industry. And it was... So surreal and so awesome. Um, I ran my own pop-up where once a month uh, I would go and I would do like, you know, patties and Caribbean food. So I always had rice and peas or like I made tacos, but the taco was a roti and I made it with uh, potatoes because, you know, potatoes are like my favorite thing in the whole world. Um, Yeah, I did a pop-up for my birthday. Was it last year? I think it was last year at the restaurant that I was working at. And I was like, yeah, it's a birthday pop-up. And I literally like ran a pop-up out of the restaurant in the private dining room and like 
you know, 40, 50 people showed up and we did like three turns and I just got to like cook folks, whatever I wanted. Um, one thing that I really loved doing with my pop-ups was a pay what you can um, concept. So you literally came in, here was the menu, get fed, uh, and you leave what you can. You got $5, leave $5, you know? Like you wanna leave 20, leave 20. Like, I don't care. I'm just here to cook food. And uh, it was fun when I created my menus to like how I would write them. So say I made oxtail, right? I would push it, right? I would tell everyone, oh, there's gonna be oxtail on the menu. I would do all the videos, take all the pictures. There you go, oxtail, oxtail, oxtail. And then they get there and oxtail is the only protein right? And then everything else is vegan. And I don't say that. I don't say it's an all vegan menu. I don't say it's an all plant-based menu. I just let the oxtail shine, you know, and then I offer all the other things. And at the end, once everyone's like, oh, wow, that was so good. I'm like, yeah, it was vegan. <laughs> Got you. <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> I, I just like doing stuff like that. Um, and then like Jamaican beef patties, some of my favorite things to eat in the whole world, right? But I don't love that they're always beef. Um, so I made my own versions of veg veggie patties. So like some were um, apple and kale and some were sweet potato and plantains and some were oxtail and some were curry chicken. I generally would always have like a meat and a veggie. Um, but right before I moved to Charleston, I was like, cool, patty sale, right? And I just did like mass production. It's a hand laminated dough. So it's basically like a curry croissant dough. Right, and then fold it over like an empanada and just like with all the stuffing in there and it's like flaky and you eat it and it falls all over you and you gotta make a mess and it's beautiful. Um, so I just like made a slew of them, vacuum sealed them and I was like, okay, cool, order your patties. <laughs> you hey, <laughs> <laughs> we're right down the street. <laughs> right down the street, we do to go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know, I guess that's what I did with like my pop-ups and my travels and doing my own thing and it was, it was really great. It was really good for my soul. What was your first ever job in food? Uh, Cutco. I sold knives. <laughs> yeah, I was 16 and I sold Cutco. That, that, was, that was my first job in industry. We worked off of commission and like, you know, they get you to like call all your family and your friends and like you set up a little appointment and I don't know, you sell them all the different knives and stuff that you offer. But yeah, that was that was my first job in the industry. What about your first job actually getting to work with food? Um, the first job getting to work with food that actually mattered was Kimball House. Um, 110%. It's a restaurant in Atlanta. Um, I was 19 when I started there. Super green. Didn't know much. Thought I knew everything. You know what I mean? And the two opening executive chefs, Jeffrey Wall and Philip Meeker, like sincerely took me under their wing and like I messed up a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Like I costed them a lot of money and they just rocked with me. You know what I mean? They're like, no, just wait, you know, just wait. You know, like I know for a fact that I had to be on the chopping block for like the first couple of months. But they were like, no, 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 just I promise. Just 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 wait. OK, just wait. And, you know, like now I go to Vermont with, you know, Chef Philip to do that NAS uh, social impact conference. And I can call up Chef Jeff and be like, hey, man, I'm trying to make this borderlays. So, like, how would you how would you do it? You know, and like they're I don't know, they they support me and like love me and I love them for everything that they've given to me. Desba Payment Solutions provides point of sale systems to local and nationwide businesses. Desba's mission is to educate and provide choices in point-of-sale systems to match your business needs. We listen and help to find exactly what you're looking for and at the best pricing possible. Desba's Payment Solutions is proud to be a woman-owned business and passionate about making a difference in the community. Desba was founded by Linda Hancock in 2003 and has built a reputation around the Charleston area as a competent, hardworking, and beneficial business partner. Working with Desba benefits everyone, not just your business. Desba is a company with community at its heart. Do you have any, not necessarily mentors, but just other other people that you look up to? I know you mentioned, of course, at, at the great, uh, she's, she's on your list, but are there any other people, um, you know, like her that you? Yeah, um, for sure. Um and like that I've personally worked with, like I mentioned earlier, um, uh, Yessie, 
uh, Justiniano, uh, Mari Vega uh, at Eight Arm in Atlanta. She's awesome. Chef Bones. Uh, she's a pastry chef of the General Mir. And she is so anal and so precise that her pastries are just so consistent, right? So she, like, basically makes the same slew of things for different seasons. But she's always trying something. She's always R&Ding. She's always pushing to see that next thing that's better. And just, like, how anal she, like... We used to have sheet trays, right? So, like, it's this big square sheet tray. It was a freezer of all sheet trays, and we'd wrap the sheet tray in plastic bags. And that's how you, like, protected all the pastry. So you'd have, like, a 100 cinnamon rolls lined up like perfect soldiers on the sheet tray. And then you'd wrap it in a, in a bag, right? And you'd tie two little knots. And she would be like, I want my knots tied at the top. I want them loose enough that I can open them close enough together that when I put the label o- over it, it seals perfectly. And, like... She had her, t- she had me and like the rest of the team like line up and we had to tie the bags on the sheet trays just for practice. And she was like, that's a B minus, that's a C, you need to try again, that's an A, but just like down to the details, she was like, no, it needs to be like this. And it was like those little things that made her products come out consistently. You know what I mean? It's like a part of what makes the General Mears pastry program so awesome and so incredible. It's just like having someone there of that brain, of that mind, like pushing for all those little minute details, you know, and just interacting with all the different chefs that I have have like, you know, collectively made me better than the person that I was yesterday. Like, like Chef Yessi not getting, not being angry about or getting angry and letting it go. Like, I'm a cancer. I have all the emotions and feelings. Like, if a normal person has 10 feelings, like, my cancer ass has, like, 10,000. So, like, that was something that's like, okay, I love that. I love how she can do that. You know what I mean? Like, I love how she just said what I was trying to say, but without all the emotion in it. Like, I'm going to take that, you know, and I'm going to run with it. I don't know. Just... Just different things that I look to to inspire to be like, just different things that I've had the pleasure of like learning under and just being like, okay, cool, like I'm gonna take that, I'm gonna use that, like that's gonna be a part of like my ethos. Like I, I wanna be that for someone. So I'm gonna carry that with me and try my damnedest to be that to the next person. Um, or some of my influences for sure. I wonder when you were younger, did you have an example of of someone that you uh, aspired to to be was there I guess one of the things I'm thinking is I'm sure that there wasn't necessarily someone who looks like you that you could think of when you were younger but did you have you know maybe someone um Carla on the Food Network when she came on the Top Chef I was just like look at her She's so great walking, you know, around the around the restaurant, not the restaurant. She was in the grocery store, just like, hootie hoo, hootie hoo, talking to Tom Calicchio, like, Tom, I cook my food with love. And I'm like, yes, mom, look, she cooks her food with love. And she was just so bubbly yeah. and so happy and so herself. Yeah. And it's like, oh, man, that's awesome. I can do that. Like, it's OK. Like, I can be bubbly and happily and I can I can be myself just like she's being herself. Um, I've always wanted to be just like my parents, honestly. Uh, my mom's a woman's woman, you know, like heels, like makeup, shoot, like just all the time, perfect posture. Like, <laughs> I don't know what happened, but I'm not the, the lady that my mom is. Um, but she's an incredible woman and she's my best friend. And I have so much love in my heart for my mama. And if I'm half the woman that she is at her age, I'll, I'll be happy. And my father is the hardest working man that I know. Um, point blank, period. Like, I'll call him up and be like, hey, dad, you need anything? What? He's like, no, take care of your mother. Take care of your mother. Take care of her before you take care of me. I just want to make sure that she's okay, that she's good. And, like, just such a beautiful soul. So um, I've always aspired to have different attributes that, like, both of my parents have collectively. Um, so they're just such good people. You know what I mean? Like, you know, not to say, like, I didn't fight with my mom as a teenager or, like, you know, say whatever to my dad, but they're just, I don't know, they're just such great humans and, like, so, such badasses in what they do in their profession. 
I've always wanted to be as badass as them. You know, like my dad owns his own business. My dad can build houses from the ground up, has like snow, like he has five different endeavors that he can do. And I swear he's a millionaire and he just won't, he just won't let you know. You know what I mean? Like a millionaire will never tell you. Um, my mom's a real estate broker. She did like millions of dollars in home sales in like three months. She literally shits on everyone that she ever works with because she's that good. Um, and it's so cool. It makes me so proud to be like, yeah, my mama badass. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's my mama. Like, I'm going to be just like that. So just seeing them like set that bar and set that standard, like just within my family, like my aunt's got eight degrees. Like, I'm not going to tell her age, but she's getting another degree right now. And I'm just like, dang, auntie, like, <laughs> you don't got enough? I'm just like, man, just throw them all in a bag, shake them up and pick one. Just throw them in a bag, shake them up, pick one. Throw it in the other bag, shake it up, pick what country you want to go to, put them together, just go. <laughs> like, that's insane. Um, my Uncle Radcliffe, awesome, like, incredible. Dude, he's always had one of those jobs where, like, I I couldn't tell you what his job was, but it's, like, an important job. You, you know what I mean? Um, so I, I honestly can't say, like, what it is that he does now, but I know he has his own photography company, and I want to say he does something with, like, computers. I'm sorry, Uncle Ratcliffe. But he is just, like, badass, and he, like, holds down my auntie and their four kids, and they're all in college, and he's always been, like, a rock and solid for them. And I don't know, my grandmother loves – she was a school teacher for over 35 years. Um, she also taught, like, special needs and, like, kids with reading disabilities and things like that and she's just such a sweetheart and and so patient and so loving and also a cancer um both of my grandmothers are teachers and I was like wow that's super cool but they're very patient and understanding and their interpersonal intelligence with other people is just unparalleled so I've always been like okay that's cool like I want to be able to teach people like that you know what I mean like I really want to be a culinary instructor at some point Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think that, you know, both of my grandmothers being teachers in their own regard didn't have any effect on that, you know what I mean? But I don't know. I I look to the people around me and the people that I love and like, you know, aspire to, to not like, oh, I'm going to be, but I'm going to take that and try and make myself better tomorrow than I was today type deal. It's like, oh, man, that's awesome. Like, if I could just have a little bit of that, you know, like, man, like, that's a great way to walk through this world. Like, I'm going to try and walk through this world like that, you know, like constantly trying to be better, constantly trying to be better than I was yesterday, you know. The teaching aspect of it, I'm sure you're teaching people in your kitchen now every every day. It's one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) Part of the job. And you mentioned before, um, maybe someone that was working in your your kitchen that 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 you would be the first like female executive chef mm-hmm. you could have worked with. So I'm wondering just what you hope um, the people who work in your kitchen or just work with you, um, maybe especially women, but not just you know not just women. Um, learn from you you know if 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 at some point they're being asked about their mentors if you're one of their mentors, right what do you want them to, to say about you um constant pursuit of betterment uh positivity and you you, you don't have to yell and scream to get results you know like i'm very much so a millennial i'm 26 I'm very, I'm about to be 27 next week. Yay. Um, I'm very much so a millennial, right? So I was raised in old world culinary, but I feel like there's a better way. You know, like I was broken down and then, oh, break them down to build them back up. Like that was me. And even if we forgot to build them back up, just break them down. You know what I mean? But I, I want people to understand that I'm trying to take an approach to where we build people up without having to break them down first, where... We can get the same result as throwing a pan across the room with me just being like, I'm disappointed, you know, and just a new approach on how to do things and to always bring positivity and a good attitude 
and to know that you can have fun and still make badass food. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's not about chasing James Beards or, you know, trying to beat out the restaurant next door. It's just about being better than you were the day before. It's it's about doing the best that you can do, doing your best. Right? You can't give any you can't do any better than your best. So just do your best. Right? Like genuinely do your best. And I would hope that people see that from me, right? Like they see that positivity, they see that push to always be better, um, and they see me trying to take a new school approach to leading. Uh, that's not the old world. I'm going to throw a pan at you. I'm going to yell at you. I'm going to break you down and forget to build you back up later. But it's like, nah, like, hey, man, that tastes awesome. Like, did you taste this? They're like, we chef? I'm like, great, because it's fucking great. You know, <laughs> like, I do that a lot just to, like, fuck with people. Um, but it's fun, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I would. I, those were the things that I would say I'd hope people would take away, like, or would say about me. Yeah. Kind of in that theme of constant betterment, you know, better every day um, than you were the last day. What would you like to see... Charleston do to not be in that place where you said Charleston's behind Charleston. Um, I, I would think in, in your reviews to see some change. Well, what do you want to see to see? Like I said, that, that constant betterment, if you're looking at Charleston. Um, people having difficult conversations. Yeah. Um, you know, people actively trying to, educate themselves you know what i mean like uh when what was it wine and food took down the statue in marion square like the comments underneath were ridiculous and it's like oh well you're erasing history you're erasing history and i'm like okay well did you know this did you know that did you know like this is how you know what i mean the light bulb uh tom everyone knows thomas edison invented the light bulb right the filament that he invented was a paper filament. It burnt out like that. What people don't know is the copper filament that we now use in light bulbs was invented by a black man. But we don't know that, right? We know that Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. So let's not talk about, era like you can't say, oh, it's erasing history. You haven't learned the history. You know what I mean? Like, so what, how are we erasing something that you never took the time to learn? So take the time to learn it, you know, like don't be mad that statues are coming down like about the past. It's not about erasing the past, but let's celebrate the people who are on the right side of history. Like, OK, cool. It happened and it's there and it's a part of our history. But why are we still praising the people who are on the wrong side? You know, like and why is that OK? You know, like just get out of your get out of your own head like. I don't know, talk to someone you wouldn't have talked to before, like find the commonalities between the two of you. Like people, we have Black Lives Matter posted on the front of the Macintosh and people have walked by and been like, I'm not going to eat anywhere that supports terrorists. And I'm just like, wow, <laughs> wow. Like I don't even know where to start with that, right? And like that's something that you've been taught. That's something that Charleston has ingrained in them. Um, but we have to do better and we have to break that cycle. And it's, it's a bigger issue than I would say like, oh, you do this one thing, it's going to tackle this issue. It's, it's a whole system, um, that needs to be dismantled. You know, people say the system's broken. It's not broken. The system works exactly how it was intended and designed to work. It's not, it's working perfectly fine. We need to scrap the whole thing and start it over. Um, but we all have to want to scrap the whole thing and start it over. We all have to see the injustice in what's happening to want to do better. Um, so I think how we do that is through love and understanding and having difficult conversations and talking to people that we normally wouldn't talk to and reading a book <laughs> and grasping some bit of, like, I don't know, understanding that we didn't have before. And like I said, I don't think it's a single thing that's going to make the change, but loving your neighbor and, you know, having a little bit more compassion for the person standing next to you, I feel like is a good place to start for sure. I have one last and, and possibly easy question for you. Maybe it's a hard question. Um, 
So the Macintosh you're doing, you're doing takeout. You're still running. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone goes and gets some food, what's your favorite thing on the menu right now? Ooh. Maybe it's a hard question. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, no, no, no. Easy question. Uh, peach salad, right? So peach and chanterelle mushrooms are two of my favorite combinations on this earth. Right. So it's, uh, you know, sorry, Atlanta. So I discovered that South Carolina has the better, has the best peaches that I've tasted and even in living in Georgia. Um, So it's local South Carolina peaches. I have a forager, Brian, who goes out in the morning, harvests all of my chanterelle mushrooms and then brings them to me like an hour after he picks them. And so that's paired with the salad as well. Um, It's got a little bit of local uh, cheese on the plate. Um, there's some cardamom pickled blueberries and their local South Carolina blueberries, some shaved brisola, which is just like cured beef shoulder, um, just sliced on there as well. And it's, oh gosh, it's so good. It's so good. And it's just, I don't know, it's some of my favorite flavor combinations and it's nothing too convoluted or crazy. It's just, it's just fucking good. It's rustic elegant and it's good. It's not a whole lot of frou-frou in the plating and I'm not doing like, oh, this with this hydrocolloid and like this fluid gel. Like, no, it's just a good peach salad. Um, that's that's probably my everything on the menu right now, for sure. Because uh, you have to wait. You have to wait for the peaches to be ready and for the chanterelles to be in season to be able to pair them. Like, I'll take that salad off the menu if the peaches aren't like right it's like sorry guys they're sunbathing outside i'll put them on a sheet tray and i'll put them in our parking lot and every 30 minutes i go outside and i move the sheet tray so that it's getting hit by the sun like (laughs) we only use the peaches when they're perfect like yeah that's that's my favorite salad right now or my favorite dish on the menu right now hands down that was an easy one (laughs) well thank you so much i've really enjoyed talking to you this afternoon i really appreciate it again thanks for having me Appreciate it. Feel good about getting a great haircut with the Great Care Promise at Great Clips. Our commitment to helping keep everyone as safe as possible in the salon. Check in online today. Great Clips. It's going to be great. All salons are independently owned and operated. Contact your local salon for specific safety measures. We the Women is a special series of the Post and Courier in celebration of the 100th anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment. To enjoy all 19 interviews, visit postincourier.com backslash we the women.